Hi, I'm Sierra, Alex, Day, and Mika. We're your sassy, goofy, honest, and real girlfriends. Welcome to the Party of Four podcast. Hi, guys, and thanks for tuning in to the Party of Four. Tonight, we'll be talking about investing in yourself and others. Hey, Day, what are you drinking tonight? So I'm drinking my cafe con leche. Surprisingly, it doesn't keep me up. I think that's a Hispanic in me. But regardless, Alex, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking some wild berries herbal tea with a hint of honey and a splash of lemon juice. What about you, Mika? So I'm just having a Pepsi. Nothing fancy. I don't know what the slogan is for Pepsi, so I won't say anything else. I'm going to just stop there. Passing the tea, here. I'm drinking some water from my Brita filter. Again, nothing fancy, but it's healthy. And Day, take it away with a summary for the episode tonight. Tonight's episode is on investing in yourself and others. When we talk about investing, we mean like what's going to help you go further, letting go what's holding you back, and giving back to those around you. So getting right into it with our first question, how would you describe investing in yourself? I would say that investing in yourself is basically just putting in the work, the time, and sometimes the money to take the steps to reach your goals or whatever you're striving for. Yeah, I would say it's just taking the time to work on yourself internally, externally, and just really kind of pushing yourself towards your goal. That's how I view um, investing in yourself. I agree with you both. So moving into the next question that we have on the docket, do you believe in paying for opportunities for yourself? And I know we just talked about investing in yourself, putting in time and money. I know as young professionals, we tend to want to go towards the free route and getting things that are or taking on opportunities that are either free or easily accessible to us. But at some point, we're going to hit a kind of plateau. And if we expect to be experts in what we're doing, then, you know, money will have to be involved. So I guess the question is, do you believe in paying for it? And how much are you willing to pay? So I'll go, Mika. Um, I would just say I do believe in paying for it because I get what you're saying. Like eventually you're in a plateau, but I full heartedly believe you can do it. Like you can get your goal and get the opportunity without paying for somebody to tell you how to do it. I think you just need to do a lot of research on your own. I think you can just have to like really work hard and shadow people. I don't think you need to spend a whole bunch of money on gurus and people and, and, and experts to really kind of like get the opportunity you're looking for. That's a very good point. I think I tend to agree with that. As a person who myself like personally has dished out quite a bit of cash on like invested in myself, quote unquote, what I thought, at least what I thought was invested in myself. Something that I wished I would have done was to be a bit more intentional about where I place my money. I thought I was being intentional. So just to answer that question in the short, yes and no, depending on like what the investment is and then who I'm getting the information from. I think that's the other bigger piece. Um, If it's someone that just got into the game, like some people hit it big and all of a sudden they want to create courses and Mm -hmm. lure you in. And I'm like, no, um, I just found out about you. You just hit like 10,000 followers on Instagram. Like, let's not, <laughs> don't try to charge me. I definitely agree. I just want to say one more point to that. People who make it big, quick, uh, you know, like faster than other people, they want to, okay, now I'm going to bring out this course and this ebook. 
And then you start to see a lot of people get scammed because honestly, they really didn't know all of what they were doing. They kind of just winged it and learn from others and they're just putting all that general information into a into you know their course that probably anybody could have done so just to be wary of that moving on to the next question what's one opportunity you were thankful to have taken advantage of alex so man would be moving to florida so as for a little background people that don't know i'm from virginia my undergrad institution was about an hour and a half from my hometown there, I got my Bachelor of Science in Physical Education with a concentration in Exercise Science and a minor in Dance. That's when I thought that I wanted to be a physical therapist, but then it turned out that I was not pursuing that for myself more so because I thought that that would make others proud of me more. But long story short, now I am interested in higher education, so I kind of took the leap to pursue another um, area, so to say. And that meant moving to Florida, not knowing anybody. That meant not even knowing my roommates. That meant um, being in a long-distance relationship and changing my career aspirations completely, something I've been preparing for since I was in middle school, high school. Um, But I will honestly say that was probably one of the best decisions I've made, and I don't regret it at all. Yeah, for me, I have to say my first time getting involved in like an extracurricular where it really challenged me to grow and kind of seeing like the investment of Although I was volunteer for some position, they also were like giving me all this sort of training, educating me, you know, inspiring me and believing in me. And so I think that's where my first concept of, okay, like this is stretching me and I'm going to get better from this. I agree with both of your points, Alex and Day, especially like taking that leap and moving out and getting out your, like, outside your comfort zone. And for Day, like really being challenged to grow. Honestly, an opportunity I'm really, I, I'm happy I took advantage of is honestly being in quarantine which may say, like, I, I don't want to say it to be like insensitive because we are going through such a hard time and everybody's affected differently. And in, for me, like I was working from home for the past like seven weeks. And I think these past seven weeks have really challenged and pushed me because I've always been on such a schedule and I've always just kind of, you know, I don't know. It just really pushed me to see like the potential in myself and what I can do and not settle for less. This is the time to have that leisure to work at your own pace while focusing on yourself, cutting out the commute to work and back. I have just taken full advantage of it. And I'm just so proud of myself. And I had to get very uncomfortable of being at home, like just with me, my, my roommates, myself and my thoughts and just pushing myself. So quarantine, I am very happy for you in some aspect. Wow. I feel like such a bum now, but it's okay. (laughs) Quarantine has taught me to slow the heck down. So that's good. For me, I would say one opportunity that I had that I'm very, very thankful of is to travel alone for like, okay, now there's several times that I've traveled alone, but this specific time I had just graduated from undergrad and I decided I'm going to Europe and I spent a summer in Europe. And with that, I felt like I've, I learned so much about myself and what I wanted. Um, And I think anytime that I'm alone, I find myself like in deep thought about not only like my educational path, but like career wise, what I actually really want to do and where I want to invest my time. So being alone and like really thinking through some things for myself. And it's usually when I'm traveling because I do some writing when I'm traveling. Um, Yeah, those times take great advantage of those. Okay, so moving into the next topic, we're going to be talking about mentorship, being both finding a mentor and being a mentor. 
The first question we have is, can you describe your ideal mentor? A specific person, a trait, or multiple traits of different people? So for those of you that don't know, Day is my mentor. And I can honestly say that she is or she is my ideal mentor. And I know I'm not saying that because she's on this podcast, because I told her before um, that I honestly could not have had a better mentor. She was always willing to help me grow in whatever capacity she can, whether that be in my professional or my personal life. Um, She helps me talk through all my problems, big or small. And if you know me, you know I'm very dramatic. Um, She sends me any and all opportunities, whether that be leadership positions, conferences, webinars, or job opportunities. Um, You can tell that she genuinely wants to see me succeed. So I just want to say thank you for believing in me. Thank you for pushing me. And thank you for helping me grow holistically. You are appreciated. And I hope that I can be the mentor you are to me, to someone else one day. So thank you, Day. That was so sweet. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. I, you know, I wasn't expecting you to get emotional today. Like, I, just need, I need a second. Okay, I'm back. Oh. So <laughs> for me, an ideal mentor, some characteristics that come to mind is someone I can be honest with. And like myself, um, someone who's aspiring, has emotional intelligence, I think most intelligence is something that I always look for in any person, whether that's my supervisor, um, a partner, anything. I think that's just like a, a trait that not many people have and really need to work on. And so being able to just walk in a room and someone know that like what's going on with you today, what is happening and being able to not only think about my goals, but me as an individual as well. And another big part of that for me is someone who can speak to my experience, whether that's goals, whether that's like you've gone through similar things. Um, some of our hardships. And so those are things that are important to me. For me, I would say an ideal mentor is, you know, I have so many, I can't like think of like a specific one person, but um, someone who like understands me and my goals and where I want to, when I, where I want to go. And I think understanding me before I even understand myself, I had a lot of mentors that saw things in me, like saw that potential factor and they just kind of worked on that without even making me aware that there were. And so someone who's able to like really see me in my best light and work towards um, getting me there, I think I would say is one of the important traits. And then also they talked about someone um, who can speak towards her experience. I tend to always find myself having mentors that identify with me in some way um it could be male or female but like some way there's some attribute or um background characteristics whether it's like being from the same island that i'm from or like being caribbean in general or being black being woman i tend to gravitate to people who i can see myself with so you talked about the mentors that you've had are you or have you ever been a mentor to someone else Well, you mentioned me, so I'll go ahead. (laughs) Yes, I have. I think I consider myself to be more than a mentor. I believe in that advocate or sponsor spectrum is where I tend to fall. For those of you who don't know, a mentor is someone who shows you the door, an advocate is someone who opens the door, and then a sponsor is someone who pushes you through that door. And so I tend to get really invested in people, and I tend to always like speak to your character. If there's something I could absolutely help you with and get you put like your name out there be like I know the perfect person for this position or I know the perfect person that you want to talk to or connecting you with anyone else who could do that for you if I can't I always want to be able to do that for someone I would say I yes I have been a mentor and 
I think it's even when I don't really realize it. There's a lot of people and they could be even like older than me. I had older people like look at me and say, wow, like the path that you took is very unique and I want to learn more. And they would ask me questions in that regard. And in I don't really see that as being a mentor, but for them, like they would say, wow, like you really helped me through this one process. And I just like that feeling, like to know that I did help. Being that I'm not as um, outspoken when people first meet me, it's kind of hard for me to be like, oh, let me be your mentor. Lord, let me help you with this one thing or figuring out what people need. But as like the relationship progresses and I see that this person is on the same path that I'm on, then that mentorship process, like it starts to develop that relationship starts to develop. And you guys have so much good answers on what you want in a mentor. So I'm going to ask, how do our viewers or our our, our listeners, um, what are some tips on finding a mentor and interacting with them? Uh, One of the things that I just went ahead and did was find a quick link that we could all use. If you just Google like things, how to find a mentor, things to um, ask a mentor when you want to interact with them. Some of the things that came up was asking them questions like what inspired them on their journey. If they're at a point in life or at a place or they did a thing that you find um, very inspirational or something that you would like to replicate in your life, like just asking them like what in- what encouraged you. Um, asking them to describe who they are as a person, like really um, looking at their personal style. If I know some people like they let's say it's in dress. Um, some people like how certain people dress and they want to want them to be a mentor in that, like dressing professionally or, you know, dressing with dominance. There's those different things. So, you know, asking them questions on that. Um, what else do they have here? Asking them about their values. I think that's a very good one. Um, so yeah, this is just a site that I found this information on that is like useful and anyone could just Google it, like things to ask a mentor. Mm-hmm. I think going off Nika's point, I tend to stumble upon my mentors. I haven't really gone through a formal process where it's been like, this is your assigned person based on your interest, We've assigned, like through any association or anything in that way. And so I look up to different people for different reasons, like different aspects about them. And then I've been able to build that genuine connection with them. And then from there, they've kind of like looked at me and kind of like let me tell you some things that you should probably know or let me help you or I would for me kind of start off with asking their advice on something of like I know you've done this and how like how did you go through this like whether it's a job search or anything like that and then next thing I know they're texting me asking me like how is it going and like our relationship has just skyrocketed from there yeah I would say going off of that as far as tips for finding you a mentor um, is to look for people in the positions that you want to be in one day or that are following a similar path to the path that you want to follow that share the same interests as you connecting at conferences or webinars or um, pretty much anywhere. So those are some tips that I would give if you are interested or you have been um, looking to find a mentor. And I would just add to that. And I know like we have like the specific people in mind, but I think one of the most important things, especially when you're being intentional about it, like Jay said, sometimes it kind of stumbles and like you stumble into it, but there are times when you kind of have to put your foot out there or put not your foot, your hand. What is it? Somebody part yourself, put yourself out there. <laughs> um, and with that, um, I think it's very important to know what you need and exactly 
you know, the trajectory that you want to take, if that makes sense. So mentorship, I think we mentioned this earlier, could be like anything as far as like getting through a certain process. So for me with like grad school, I know the application process was very daunted to me. And so one of the things that ended up happening, and this was kind of stumbling onto it, but again, I knew I needed help with the process. Um, The vice president of my undergraduate undergraduate institution was like so kind to invite me out to tea. And I was like, oh, I'm having tea with the vice president. But then at the same time, you know, I was telling her about like my aspirations after my undergraduate experience. And she was like, just starting to give me information. I'm like, okay, like if I send you my personal statement, would you look at it? If I, you know, ask you for a little bit of recommendation, would you write it? Like, and so with that, like that reciprocal um, relationship, I was able to get like mentorship from a very, to me, great person. And then also like knowing what you have in return to offer. Like it's not, mentorship is not always about taking. It's also about giving something back. And I think that way you show that kind of reciprocity. I hope that's the right word I'm using. Um, when it comes to creating a relationship and a bond that will last because you're not just taken. I have to say it's very important to have more than just one mentor too. Like never limit yourself to just that one person. There's always different aspects of your life that you're working towards or working on, I should say. And so having your quote unquote board of directors, people that you could, I know for this area, I could really go to this person and run to them or these amount of people and ask their advice. And so that's really beneficial to you. So talking about mentorship, there's something that we do really want to acknowledge. There are disparities in mentorship among marginalized populations. And so it's just really important to be a mentor and be mentored. And as you know, representation matters. So we highly encourage you to take an individual from a marginalized identity and, you know, take them under your wing, inspire them, support them and open doors for them. I just like that call to action. Y'all better do it. Um, But just to put a little bit of stats in there, um, there was an article that I was able to find from Hedrick and Struggles. They're um, a leadership consultant company that works like worldwide. And so one of the things that they found was that uh, women and minorities were more likely to say that mentorship was extremely important to them in their career. And just to put a little numbers in there, for our quantitative listeners, um, 30% of women said that mentoring relationships were extremely important versus like 23% of men. And we could talk about and unpack that, why that is. And then there's also uh, 32% of minorities just in general found it extremely important versus like 27% overall. So unpacking the stats. I felt like when I read that, one thing that came to mind was that we are often um, in male-dominated industries. So it's very much, it's easier for men to see, and men, correct me if I'm wrong, this is just me being hypothetical, but it's easier for men to, you know, gain access or, um, opportunities without having like someone to necessarily be there as a mentor. I know like they just explained like the difference between a mentor and advocate and a sponsor. And I felt feel like for men, they have a lot more sponsors. Like you don't necessarily have to create a relationship before moving on to that stage of advocate and sponsors. And for women, we kind of have to, in some sense, like unfortunately, or for minorities, like there's like, how we talk about 
the black tax, like you have to work kind of three and four times as hard um, to get to certain places or for people to see you and or notice you and then offer you opportunities. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons these stats like are so varied. I absolutely agree with you, Mika. I'm sorry I didn't jump in with your unpack sooner. I need you to unpack some more. But the first thing that came to mind, I don't know if you guys have watched the show Pose or if our listeners have, but Pose is a really good show that advocates and really shows the life of the LGBT community. And it takes place in the 1980s where the HIV and AIDS crisis is at its top. And um, in season one, there is a guy on there and he started working for the Trump he started working for the Trump building. I don't know exactly what he did, but he was working in the Trump building. And I remember, this is what made me think of what you just said about the sponsorship. When he came, like, he got the job, he got like, the interview was fine. And the guy asked him, what do you want? Like, what do you want to be? And he was like, I want to be just like you. I want to work my way up in two to three years. I want to get rich. I want to have the car. I want to have the girl. And throughout the show, um, in season one, in, in those few episodes, you kind of see him like work his way up and that the guy was more so of his sponsorship of opening those doors for him, like pushing him through those doors and not really like being that mentor and like helping him. But he just, it was easier for him to say, Oh, I want to do this. Can you get me there? And he's like, I, you know, I'll do that for you. So I do think guys have it more easier for sponsorship versus females when everything is competitive and they don't want, you know, certain females don't want you to get ahead of them. And it's like more jealousy, more envy, more pettiness, where guys, they see it as, okay, well, if I help you, and this is why, and again, this is like a little stereotypical. This is not everybody, but sometimes I feel like guys may view that as, okay, if I help you, you can help me. And this sponsorship will go both ways. And in the show pose, if you've, um, if you've seen season one, at least you do see where the, um, the other guy who was, who, who was already working for Donald Trump was like, okay, well, if I help you, you're going to have to help me back in some way. So I think it is easier for guys to get a sponsorship. Okay. Moving on to the third topic, investment through subtraction or elimination. We all know the quote, you are the company you keep. And the question is, have you ever had to actively or passively disconnect with people you know for your own well-being? I'm going to answer this. Yes, yes, and yes. And I do agree with the quote, you are the company you keep. And I know people have like mixed feelings on it, but I do believe you are the company you keep. If you keep negative people around you, you will like inevitably become negative. If you keep people around you who aren't doing the same things that you want to do in life, they start to bring you down because even though you want more, they're not on the same elevation as you. I've had to disconnect with people who just was not good for my well-being because I just felt like, I was doing way more in the relationship than they were like, and not doing more in the sense, like I was always like the one to reach out. I was always one to check in. I was when I was oh, like, if you need something, I'm doing something like they were asking for stuff. And I was always giving, giving, giving and never got anything back. And I don't think that's like a health, that's not a healthy relationship to me. It should always be a two way street. So I had to disconnect them from my own well being because I felt like I was starting to become like them in the sense that, I was being more negative. I was just being more down and I was constantly giving to them, which was draining my energy and I just couldn't do it anymore. So I believe you are the company you keep, keep good company around you and good things will start to happen. And when you let negative people in, they drain you. And that's my take on it. 
I like that. So I guess I would ask you like a follow-up questions here. Did you like actively was like, okay, we just have to end this. Like you are not yeah, serving me. Yeah, you know I was like, what was that conversation? Right, and things I'm so trans. Like I don't ever want nobody. Like I don't do the sugar coating. It kind of went like this. I was just like, hey, what's going on? Like you know, like I just kind of feel like I'm giving so much and you're not. And the person tried to flip the script, make it very like manipulative. And I, and I, I don't do those games at all. <laughs> so once I see that, I'm like, you know what? We're done. We're disconnecting from this day on out. Like, do not talk to me. Oh, shit. Um, Just like that? Okay. Yeah. Because I said, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, there's obviously nicer ways you can do it depending on the relationship. But I feel like at that point in the relationship, we both knew it was like, okay. For me, I've never had to actively cut someone off. Like everyone is on their own path, but if you're not on the a similar trajectory as I am, then they just tend to fall off. Okay, so going back to the quote, "Are you are the company you keep?" I think that it depends. I think that you oftentimes pick up some of the qualities of the people you are around without recognizing that you're doing it. But I think that. When you recognize it, either you you disconnect with them or you continue on that same path. So if you continue on the same path, then yes, I agree with you are the company that you keep. But if you recognize it and then you might have to do that cutoff. For me, I usually have like a pre-conversation and saying like, this is how I feel when you do this. These are things that um, don't necessarily align with what I believe in or the people that I want around me and kind of see where it goes from there. But there's always a conversation before it's like, okay, well, we can't really kick it with each other anymore. Yeah. A whole like conversation that. now? You'd be like... Because, and if it's somebody that I'm close with, yes, I would give you the opportunity for both of us to get our feelings out. Because um, it may be something that you don't recognize. And I don't want to, if we are as close as I think we are, to just cut you up. Because I wouldn't want the same thing happen to me. Mm, I can respect that. Yeah, I agree with Alex. I'm like, look this is what you're doing something has to give and they're like this is who I am okay very good this random question that just popped up in my mind like do you think that there's ever a time where like those relationships that you cut off or like that you let's say I don't even know if you actively do like Sierra because probably nobody will come back from that but (laughs) if if you have like a good conversation like you ended on a positive note like with Alex you think those relationships could be rekindled at some point later on like when there's growth I think so. I think I for me, I can only speak for myself. I think if I do recognize growth and sometimes I find myself being the person that they need in order to continue that growth. So and so then at the end of that, it's either it's rekindled or like I said in the last podcast, my reason or my season is over and then go from there. So it can go either way for me. So I see what you're saying, Alex. I'm a different kind of person. I'm a Scorpio. So we already have trust issues as it is. So yes, I'm bringing my Zodiac sign into this. Because <laughs> I'm just so different. But no, I'm kind of like, I'm a one and done. I don't really do the back and forth. So if I cut you out, like, permanently, it's permanently. Like, there is no coming back from that. Oh, damn. I gotta... Because I feel like... I hope y'all taking notes. I really feel like it has troubled my soul. And y'all know me. When my soul is troubled, I just can't go back. I just can't do it. So if my soul is troubled, no. And even if you did grow and you became a whole new person, I'm so happy for you. I send love and light your way from a distance. 
you cannot come back into my aura because I don't trust you because I already knew you who you were before. And I get yeah, and I think that's what you mean. I get that. For me, it depends on if the good outweighs the bad one, how severe the situation yeah. was, True. how how much I appreciate it, mm-hmm. and if I think yeah. this new growth will present good in both of our lives. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. And one more thing that I want to add is that I'm very big on energy. So if even if I see growth and I'm around you and I still feel negative energy, I'm sorry, that's not a relationship that can be rekindled. That is me 100%. I pick up my energy so fast. But mm-hmm. yeah. Like you it. could just feel the negativity, the sadness. It'd be bleeding the- on you. It'd be coming off mm-hmm. the walls. Oh <laughs> and it like brings your energy down too. And I don't like that. I agree. I agree. So going to our next question. Letting go of an involvement that no longer serves you or if you're being over-programmed with like you have several things that you're responsible for or that you're part of, do you ever hesitate to let one of those involvements or activities go? And what part of like resilience and grit plays into that? Can you give me an example so I can elaborate a little bit more? Because I hear what you're saying, but I want to like visualize it fully. I think... Uh, a lot of times people are always being told how like you have to work really hard towards your goal. You have to give it your all constantly. And there's this concept or like this infatuation of like working yourself to death or like until like you just really can't anymore and you have burnout. And so I think part of that plays into like this concept of resilience and grit that like you have to have this resilience and grit to get through. And like, if you keep pushing, you're gonna be fine. But part of investing in yourself is letting go of something that no longer serves you or that is overwhelming you. And so have you ever had that situation and were you ever hesitant about it too? Okay. So for me, I I think this is very trivial. It's not even on that level, but we could talk about that too. But um, coming down to the end of, I just vividly remember coming down to the end of my undergraduate experience, I was very much involved in like, um, student orgs. I was the vice president of three different orgs coming up in my last semester. Yeah, I was like going ham. Wow. Like the Caribbean Student Association, there was uh, Sigma Gamma Rho, and then there was a uh, um, the English Honor Society. And I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, but coming down to the end, I was trying to complete my um, my senior capstone project. And so that was like this major paper that I had to do as an English major. Um, And that was, for me, it was taking up a lot of my time. And that was like on top of trying to figure out what I needed to do for postgraduate, for my postgraduate experience to prepare for that. There were so many different things. And so um, I had to, you know, cut, cut those things off. And it was for me, it was more intentional and I didn't really feel any type of way about it, but there were people that did, like they just couldn't really understand. And I was like, nah, F that shit. I need, I need to, you know, go ahead and progress. And that was one of the reasons why I decided to like, let go of those things. Cause it was really near and dear to me, but as far as like where I was heading and my goals, it didn't align. And so once it doesn't align, I find it very easy to just be like, nope, not doing it anymore. I, I feel you, Mika, because I was always one to be involved undergrad. I was like, I have to be involved all the time. But for this question, I'll answer it in my graduate career. You know, in grad school, I was like, yeah, these two years are going to fly by. So work really hard, land this internship, get a job, you're set. 
So I've always been hearing that. And it's I decided. All lies. It's all lies. I'm sorry. No, it, it, it really is. Once you do it, you're like, whoa, I've been tricked. So I had to step away um, from involvement that I felt like no longer was serving me. And I had a lot of negative feedback from family saying, like, Sierra, you know, you can't just quote unquote quit. You have to be resilient. You need to work extra hard and just like suck it up and gain experience. And the whole time I'm just thinking like the involvement I was doing didn't even go with my goals. It didn't go with what I wanted. It wasn't serving me and I was honestly unhappy. And I had to think, am I going to go with what my family says and like be resilient and show grit? Or, you know, like, and then, or am, am I going to be a quote unquote quitter and how will that affect me in so many things? And I have to shut out all that noise, honestly, and do what I do best, which is do what I want. And I had to just, <laughs> I know, <laughs> but it's, just, it was hard because everybody kept telling me like, you're going to be a quitter. Like you're not being resilient. You're not showing grit. Um, but doing that was like one of the best decisions in my life. So that was hard. Because one thing I don't think Grit talks about, and and we're you know we're on grad school. We've all read that book, Grit. I don't think to me they highlight the moment you have to step away and do it all over and try all over again. Because in anything in life, sometimes it may not be working out, and you have to start all over again. And Grit is more so on you being resilient and breaking through every single barrier for this one task and never giving up. But sometimes, quote unquote, giving up is going through that grit if that makes sense so that's my take on it okay so to wrap up we have our random question for tonight um this is for you guys to answer as well as our audience so um how much time do you really invest in yourself and what does that investment look like so a is none at all b is just a little bit c is more times than not and d is booked and busy investing in myself which is my answer what about y'all? I'm booked and busy, period. Even though I don't always say I'm booked and busy, but I, I, I'm very well booked and busy. You have to, I have to pencil you in, but I like to make time. So I have to say I'm also um, booked and busy, but I think my booked and busy looks very different from other people's in the sense that, like, am I reading an educational book? Sure, but as a lot of the times, like, you know, those memes of, like, oh, I'm taking myself out to lunch, like, I have to cancel plans with you, I can't cancel plans with me again. That's very yeah. much me. Like, I yeah. am not, I am not <laughs> I, it's so funny, but I, I legitimately am the Grinch in that aspect of the fact that, like, I have time with me today, and I'm so sorry, I just can't, I just, mm, sorry, look, and so I'm okay with that. So, for me, I would be C. And I just feel like in the current situation that I'm in now, there's so many different priorities that I have, like finding a job, one, you know, setting up my business, two, like so many different things. And it's pulling me in so many different directions. And so for me, investing in myself, like, well, at least what I see as invested in myself is different. I'm not putting as much time as I used to before. And I'm noticing that. All right, so that's it for tonight. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to tune in the Wednesday after next as we will be discussing the undergraduate experience. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Party for Podcast and subscribe. Bye, guys. Bye.